KMTT. We are back after Shabbat, Pashat Shemot. Today is Monday, Chaf Gimel, Chaf Gimel Tevet. And today's shear will be the weekly shear in Hilchot Brachot by Rav Yair Khan. This is the fourth installment in this series. Today's shear is exactly 33 and a half minutes long. After the shear, I will be back with the Halacha Yomit. Last Thursday, there was an error, and the expected Halacha Yomit did not appear at the end of the shiur. Instead of that, you heard a repeat of my introduction. So today's Halacha Yomit will be that broadcast, the one that was not sent. It will be slightly out of order, as opposed to uh, in relationship to Friday's Halacha Yomit. I don't think that will make a difference. So after the shiur of Afkan, there will be a Halacha Yomit. And now... We have the pleasure of hearing the fourth installment of Ilchot Brachot Harav Khan. Our share last week dealt with the issue of Birchas Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz, the bracha that one normally makes on bread. We discussed whether the bracha is a bracha on the chefza of Lechem, on bread, or whether it's a bracha on a Seuda. Today we're going to define what exactly is Lechem, what is defined as bread regarding the, the din of Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz and regarding other dinim as well. There's a Gemara in Psachim, Daf Lamed Zayin Aleph, 37a, which brings Machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. The Machlokas centers around a case where instead of baking bread in an oven, the bread was baked in a pot. One took a pot, put in dough, and without adding water, one turned on the fire and baked, baked the bread in a pot. Is that considered afia or is that not considered afia? According to Rabbi Yochanan, Afia Bekdeira, baking in a pot is considered Afia and therefore it's Chayev Bechala. While according to Reish Lakish, it's not considered Afia and therefore it's Pater from Chala. Now Chala is also taking Chala, which is the Hafrasha of, 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 of the things which are given to, normally given to a Kohen when it's Tahar, is only something which applies to bread. And therefore, one theoretically will be able to compare what is considered bread regarding challah with what is considered bread regarding berchas hamotzi lechem haaretz. At least that's going to be our starting point. So we see that according to Rabbi Yochanan, if one, instead of baking in an oven, bakes in a pot, according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's considered bread, while according to Rish Lakish, it's not considered bread. Tosos over there brings the shita of Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam says that that entire Gemara is discussing a case of Belila Raka. Belila Raka is a very, very loose batter, a liquidy type of a batter, where a lot of water was added to the, to the flour, and the result is a very, very liquidy batter. If one took that liquidy batter and then baked it in a pot, according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's Chayiv and Chala, while according to Rish Lakish, it's not Chayiv and Chala. However, if instead of a liquid batter, one took, 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 took flour and added only a small amount of water and kneaded it, had a thick dough, then, according to everybody, both according to Reish Lakish, as well as according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's Chayv and Chala, because one had the process of kneading, Lisha, kneading, which defines it as bread. The Shita of Rabbi Yochanan is based on a Mishnah in Chala, Perak Aleph Mishnah Hay, the first Perak, the fifth, fifth Mishnah, which states as follows. Isa shetchilasa sufganim v'sofa sufganim 
Tura Menachala. Tchilasa Isa Vesofa Sufganim, Tchilasa Sufganim Vesofa Isa, Chayevis Pachala. In other words, dough that began as a Sufganim, Sufganim is something which is not considered bread, and ends as Sufganim is Pater from Chala. However, if it began as dough, which is chayv and chala, and ended as sufkanim, or if it began as sufkanim but ended as dough, then it's chayv and chala. According to Rabbeinu Tam, the Mishnah means as follows. Tchilasa sufkanim is referring to belila raka. It's referring to the point of, of kneading the dough, of kneading the dough, the, the, the flour and the water together. Tchilasa sufkanim means that what was made was a loops batter. Sofa sufganim means that it was baked properly in an oven or a contrabiochanan, even in a pot. If you have both conditions, tchilasa sufganim, in other words, a loose batter, and sofa sufganim, in other words, not proper baking, then it's pata from chala. But if you have either tchilasa isa, which is kneading a proper dough, not a loose batter, but belila ava, which is a proper dough, then even if it's sofa sufganim, which means that in the, in the long run it wasn't baked, but rather it was cooked in water, or tchilasa sufganim, if you had a loose batter, the sofa isa, and, and in, in the end, instead of cooking it, you, you baked it properly, chayevis pachala. In other words, in order to create bread, which is chayev and chala, you have to do one of two things. Either belila ava, proper kneading, creating dough, or proper afia, proper baking in an oven or a kontrabiochanan, even a pot which is, par- which is parallel to an oven. However, if you both have a loose batter, in other words, you did not have proper kneading, lisha, as well you did not have proper baking, you cooked it in, in water, then it's putter from chala. Therefore, Rabbeinu Tam claims that the whole machlokis between Reishlakish and Rabbi Yochanan, whether baking in a pot is considered baking or not, is only relevant to a case where one did not have a proper batter. But if one had proper batter, the way that it was cooked or baked is absolutely irrelevant. It's chayv and even if you cooked, cooked it actually in water. Therefore, the only way to explain the Gemara in Psachim the Machlokas Veshlakish and Rabbi Yochanan as to whether or not baking in a pot is considered proper baking is if one is dealing with a loose batter. A loose batter is only chayv and chala if it went through the proper process of baking. Tchilasa sufganim b'sofa isa. Even though the beginning was a loose batter, in the, in the long run it eventually was baked and therefore tchayv and chala. However, if we're dealing with Tchilasa Isa, something which began with Belila Ava, it was an actual dough that was kneaded, water together with flour, and it was kneaded in a, in a real fashion, it becomes a real dough, not just simply a liquid batter, then it would be absolutely irrelevant whether Sofa Sufganim or Sofa Isa, whether in, in the final analysis it was baked properly or whether in the final analysis it was cooked in water, it would be totally irrelevant. The lisha itself, the kneading of the dough itself, is enough to mechayev chala. The Ramban, in the beginning of Hilchos Chala, understands the Mishnah and Chala differently, and therefore he argues on Rabbeinu Tam. According to him, 
The entire Mishnah is dealing with Isa. Isa means a real dough. Isa shetchilasa sufkanim v'sofa sufkanim is what is stated in the Mishnah. And therefore, we're not dealing with a loose batter at all. But rather, we're dealing with a real dough that was kneaded properly. Tchilasa sufkanim means that at the point that you kneaded it, you had intention to make sufkanim. Instead of making real bread, you intend to make sufkanim, which is only cooked. V'sofa sufkanim, and in the end, you actually cooked it. Under those conditions, it's patr minachala. However, if when you knead the dough, at the beginning you intended on making a proper bread, tchilasa isa, when you kneaded it, you planned on making a real bread and baking it, v'sofa sufkanim, but after kneading it, you changed your mind, and you made, and, and, you, and you cooked it instead of making a proper bread, or tchilasa sufkanim, if at the point of the lisha, when you kneaded the dough, you intended on cooking it and not making a proper bread. This sofa isa, however, you ended up changing your mind and baking it properly, then on those two situations, you're chayev and chala. But according to Rabbi, the Ramban, you certainly need chilasa isa. In other words, that at the beginning, you actually have a real bona fide dough. And then the question is whether you intended on using that dough to make a proper bread, or you did not intend on using that dough to make a proper bread, or whether you actually made a proper bread or didn't actually make, make a proper bread. If you both lacked intention to make proper bread, and in the end you did not make bread, then you're patron chala. But if either you had intention to make bread at the time, or you didn't have intend to make bread, but in the end did decide to make bread, under those two situations, then it's chayv and chala. According to the Ramban, the Gemara in Psachim cannot be talking about loose batter, because had it been loose batter, even according to Rabbi Yochanan, that baking in a pot is considered real bona fide baking, it would still be patur and chala, because it lacked the lisha, it lacked the kneading of the dough, which is a requirement to be chayv and chala. And therefore, according to the Ramban, the Gemara in Sachim is referring to a case where you took dough and it was kneaded properly and it's considered blila ava. If at the time that you kneaded the dough, you planned on cooking it in a pot or you eventually cooked it in a pot, then according to Rabbi Yochanan, that, I'm sorry, that you baked it in a pot. According to Rabbi Yochanan, that baking in a pot is considered bona fide baking, you're chayv and chala. While according to Rish Lakish, that baking in a pot is not considered baking, but rather it's something similar to cooking, then you're not chayv and chala, because at the time that you kneaded the dough, you did not have the intention for what is halachically defined as baking according to, according to Reishlach. To summarize the different opinions, according to Rabbeinu Tam, there are two different machayvim for chala. Either the lisha is machayv chala, Kneading the dough alone, blila ava, is enough in order to be chayiv in chala, even if in the end you did not bake it but rather cooked it. On the other hand, afia alone is also sufficient in order to be chayiv in chala, even if at the beginning you lacked kneading of the dough, you lacked lisha, and instead you had a very, very loose batter. One of those two acts, either lisha or afia, are sufficient in order to be chayiv in chala. While according to the Ramban, basically you just have one mechaev of chala. Lisha is mechaev chala. However, there's a tznai, there's a condition. 
In order for Lisha, kneading the dough, in order for Lisha to be able to be chayv, in the chayv and chala, it has to be Lisha, which is done, al da'asafia. Lisha, which is done with intention for afia, or that afia was eventually done. If the Lisha was done and there was no intention for afia whatsoever, and one planned on, on, on cooking the dough, and that's what eventually one did, then the, this type of Lisha cannot be mechayev chala. Up until this point, we've discussed the Chiyuv of Chala. But as I mentioned at the outset of the year, it's possible to compare the Chiyuv of Chala with Lechem regarding the Din of Birchas HaMotzi. After all, only Lechem is Chayv and Chala because it says, Vahaya Ba'ach Lechem Lechem Ha'aretz. Tosfos and Brachos discusses this issue from the perspective of Rabbeinu Tam. And Brachos Daflamad Zayin Beis Diva Masfil Lechem, thirty-seven B. Tosu says as follows: Umetchila Hayaratz Aloma Rabbeinu Tam, the Davke Chayavim Bechala, the Mitzvah Schala Baodan Isa Dechsiv Arisol Techem, Vahol Shayu Metchila Isa Chayavim Bechala, Avu Menamotzi Pturim Da Achshav Heim Sufkan. In other words, Rabbeinu Tam thought initially that the Chiyuv Chala in a case of Tchilasa Isa Vesofa Sufganim if initially you had you needed a proper dough but in the, in the end instead of baking it you cooked it it might only be Chayiv and Chala because the Chiyuv Chala the point in which you take Chala is when you need the dough and therefore the critical point in time according to Rabbi Tam, is the point of Lisha when you actually need the dough but regarding Birchos HaMotzi, we're interested more in the result. Is it, is it bread or is it not bread? And in order to be considered bread, it has to have been baked properly. And the fact that in the initial stages it was kneaded properly may be irrelevant. However, Rabbeinu Tam eventually changed his mind. And he's, and it's explicit in the, in the Tosas in Psachim, Daflamad Zayim Unveiz, Dibamaskal, Dukulayalma, Venirler Benotam, Dachinami Mivarchan Lav Hamotzi, that in a case where you had Belila Ava and eventually cooked the, the, the dough, you're not only is it Chayv and Chala, but the bracha that you make on it is Motzi as well. In other words, according to Rabbeinu Tam, in order to be considered Lechem, Regarding the din of birchas hamotzi, you need one of two things, just like by chala, either belila ava, a a real dough, or afia. If you have belila ava and then you cook the dough, it's chayv and chala. If you baked the batter, even though you lacked a bona fide dough, that's also chayv and chala, and the same is true regarding the birchas hamotzi. According to the Ramban. We saw that the Ramban requires a lisha al da'as afia. It makes a lot of sense that, that requirement of a lisha al da'as afia, that you do the kneading with intention of afia, is a din only in chala. Because as we said before, the chiv of chala is chal, takes place, generated by the lisha, by the kneading. Because the pasuk by chala is not only vaya bachachem lechem but it says reshit arisol you take the, the first dough 
And therefore, at the point that it becomes a dough, that's the point that the chiyuv chala takes effect. But the fact that you need to do the kneading of the dough with intention to bake it indicates that at the point that you need the dough, you have to intend to make bread. And therefore, it would make sense that the birchos hamotzi, which is not generated by the point of kneading by the lisha, but rather is generated, it, it rather is, is a function of the resultant bread, requires both lisha as well as afia. First, you do lisha, you do blila ava, you actually create a real dough and not simply a loose batter, and then you take that dough and you bake in the oven, and then you have bread. And therefore, in order to be chayven chala, at the point that you did the kneading of the dough, you had to at least have intended of, on making bread, or you actually made bread in the end. But, but nevertheless, in order to have the birchas hamotzi, you need actual bread. Your intention at the beginning will not help you if in the end you cooked it and did not bake it. According to this, you have a machlokis between Rabbeinu Tam and the Ramban regarding the birchas hamotzi in two opposite situations. One situation is when you have a real bonafide dough, belila ava, but instead of baking it in the oven, you cook it, for instance, a bagel. A bagel, if it's not, I'm not going to discuss whether what happens if you bake it later, but if, if you take dough and you cook it, and you, don't, and you don't bake it at all, you take dough and you cook it, according to the Ramban, it, it would not be, be mozi because it's not bread. It was never baked, it was only cooked. Well, according to Rabbeinu Tam, since it had Belila Ava, one of the two conditions that are required, even though it lacked the second condition, nevertheless, it's considered Lechem because you only need one of the two different Masa Lechem. Either Lisha or Afia. You don't need both. While according to the Ramban, it would make sense that you need both. That would be one Nafkamina, one difference between the position of the Ramban and the position of Rabbeinu Tam. The other Nafkamina is the opposite case. If one took a loose batter and baked it properly and made some kind of a sponge cake, I'm not now dealing with the issue of Pasala Makisnin, if one added all kinds of sugars or other material. If one simply took, took a flour and water and made a loose batter and then baked that in a pan and it rose, is that... If, assuming that it has tzuras halachim, we're not dealing right now with the with the additional requirement that that, that whatever bakes has to have a tzuras lechem. Assuming that it has the tzura of lechem, it looks like lechem. It appears it has an appearance of lechem. According to Rabbeinu Tam, since it had one of the two different ma'aser lechem, it had afia even though it lacked lisha. The bracha would be a moti. While according to Ramban, that you need both lisha as well as afia then the bracha would not be a motzi, rather it would be a borim named Zonos. That lecha'ora would be the two different positions of Ramban and Rabbeinu Tam in its application to the bracha of Hamotzi. There are those that understand the Ramban a little bit differently, but that would be you know, certainly a valid way of explaining the Ramban and, and Rabbeinu Tam in applying their different positions to the question of birchas Hamotzi. However, what's characteristic of both Ramban as well as Rabbeinu Tam is that basically there's a comparison of the Chiyuv of Chala with the definition of Lechem regarding Birchas Hamotzi. If we take a look at Tamida Rabbeinu Yonah, 
we'll see that it's not so simple. Tamidah Rabbeinu Yonah first quotes the position of Rabbeinu Yitzchak. Rabbeinu Yitzchak Kasav. Shekol davar shepatum in achala patum in avotzi v'shalosh brachot. Anything which is pater from chala is pater from from a birchas avotzi and shalosh brachos the birchas amazon as well. V'nir lemori harav niru. It seems to my teacher, in other words, it seems to Rabbeinu Rabbeinu Yonah. This is Tamidah Rabbeinu Yonah referring to their 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 teacher. Sheyesh lahamid chiluk b'davar. It's possible to distinguish between these two different categories. Sheim haita blilato ava. If initially you kneaded the dough properly and you had blila, blila ava, you made a real bona fide dough, even though later on it was cooked in water, it's chayv and chala. Shekevan shekfar haitaha blila ava ba'otasha'an et chayv b'chala. In other words, the point of the chayv of chala is the lisha, is the point of the kneading, irrespective of what, what happens later. Because just just like Rabbeinu Tam holds that blila ava alone is sufficient, even if later on you intended on cooking the dough, that's true regarding the chiv of chala. Rabbeinu Yonah says shechiv hachala toloi begilgul is toloi in the lisha in the kneading of the dough. Abel ein mevarchen lav hamotzi shebirchas hamotzi tliya belechem birchas hamotzi is not dependent upon the ma'aser lisha, but it's dependent on whether or not you have lechem. Since later on you took this dough, which was kneaded properly, and chayv and chala, but you took it, and instead of baking it, you cooked it, it's not chayv, it does not get the bracha of hamotzi, and one does not make birchas hamazon after eating it. In other words, according to Rabbi Yonah, the requirements of Chala and the requirements of bread are two different requirements. The, what creates the chiv chala is dough, lisha, right? Dough, making dough is machayiv chala, even if you don't intend on making bread out of it. However, what creates the din of lechem regarding birchas hamotzi and birchas hamazon is something which actually, in the final result, became bread, and therefore not only was it kneaded properly, but it was also baked properly in an oven. Let's take a quick look at how this, this issue was resolved in the Shulchan Aruch. If we take a look at the Shulchan Aruch in Orachayim, Simen Kuf Samaches, Sif Yud Gimel, we'll find the following Psak. Afilu Davar Sheblilaso Ava in Bishla Otigna Ein Mivarech Alea Hamotzi, Afilu Sheyesh Alea Teresa Nenema, Vafilu Neschaiva Bechala, the Birchas Hamotzi Eino Holech Ela Achar Shas Afia. Vyesh Hokim, Vaorum Dechol Shatchilasa Isa Ava, Afilu Rikha Achakach, the Mayim, Vaasa Sufkanim, Uvishla Bemaim, Otigna Beshemin, Mivarech Alea Hamotzi. Here the Shulchan Aruch deals with the case of Blila Ava that did not go through the process of Afia but rather was cooked. The bagel case where one took a real bonafide dough and instead of baking it, he cooked it. And according to the Mechaber, one does not make the Birchas Hamotzi 
on, on a bagel because it was not it was not baked. Then the Mechaber brings the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam as a Yesh Cholkim. There are those that say that in this case one should make a Birchas Hamotzi and that's the Shita of Rabbeinu Tam. Since it had one of the two Maiselechem, it had Tchilas Isa, it had Lisha, therefore whether or not it was baked properly is irrelevant. And therefore the Bracha should be Motzi Lechem Na'aretz. But it sounds like the basic halacha is like the Ramban. However, there are those that are cholek, and therefore Yare Shamayim Yitzayim If one is a Yare Shamayim, one should not eat such foods without first making a Birchas Hamotzi on real bonafide bread, and then only afterwards eat from these items where you have a machlokis between the Ramban and Rebbeinu Tam regarding whether or not the bracha is Bormim Zonos or the bracha is Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. According to this, we would expect that in the opposite case, where one has a loose batter that was baked, then again, we would follow basically the Psak of the Ramban, that in that case as well, the bracha is not a motzi. But if one takes a look at the Machabe there in Sifches, one will find the following. Ve'otan shebliratan raka v'dakin ma'od shekor niblash m'varech aleim bo'yimei mizonot u'vracha achad me'ein shalosh. If one takes a look at the Magna Ram, the Magna Ram noted the fact that it said Blilasan Raka Vidakin Ma'od. It's very, very, very loose. However, if it would have been simply simply a regular loose batter, but not Dakin Ma'od, where you know simply like like a very, very loose pancake or something, if it would not be Dakin Ma'od, then the bracha would be a mozi. And that's what the Ramah says explicitly. The chain in, in Sifya Dalid, the chain davar shebli lasa raka sheaf o betanur below mashke dino kapas. If someone had a liquid batter and then baked it in an oven without any water, baked it in an oven, dino kapas umvarchalea hamotzi v'shalosh brachos. And this seems to be going according to the shita of Rabbeinu Tam. Similarly. If we take a look at Hilchos Chala in Shulchan Aruch, Yeridea Simen Shin Chav Tes Siv Gimel, we'll find that the Mechaber Paskins as follows: Isa Sheblilasa Ava, the Gilgala Al Daas Levashla Olatagna Olasota Sufkanim, Oliyab Shabachama VaAsakein Petura. If one took regular dough and did Belila Ava, in other words, he actually kneaded it. However, his intention at the time of the Lisha, of the kneading of the dough, was to cook it and not to bake it. Then your are from Chala. Again, this is the Shita of the Ramban. Gilgala lasos menulechem. However, if at the time that you kneaded the dough, you intended on baking it and making proper bread, v'nimlech labashla, you changed your mind, and then you cooked it or you fried it, then you're chayv and chala because already at the point of the kneading of the dough you already became chayv and chala. Gilgala al das if you need the dough intending on cooking it and then you change your mind and you actually baked it then you're chayv again. This is a clear psak of the Ramban, this is exactly how the Ramban explained the Mishnah in, in Chala. However, 
we'll also find that the Mechaber passing before and as follows Isa Shebli Lasaraka the Afa Betanur Obimachavat if you had a loose batter which you baked in the oven Bein Shertiach Vacharkach Hidbik Bein Shehidbik Vacharkach Hidbik Vacharkach if it was baked in an oven or in a pot, because we passed on Rabbi Yochanan that baking in a pot or a pan is also considered baking, as long as you didn't cook it in water, but you you use some kind of a, a quasi baking process, then it's chayiv and challah. So regarding this issue, the mechaber seems to be passing that it's sufficient to have afia, and you don't need both belila ava as well as afia, but belila even you have belila raka, and afterwards you have afia. That's sufficient to be chayiv and chala, and that's also what we saw regarding the birchas hamotzi. If you have belila raka and afia, that's enough to be chayiv and motzi as well. In other words, it appears that the mechaber accepted the ramban regarding Belila Ava and Athwood Bishel, that even if you needed the dough properly, if you didn't actually bake the dough, then, or didn't intend to bake the dough at the point of the kneading, it's neither Chayv and Chala, nor does it get a Birch HaSamotzi. However, regarding what makes something into, into bread, what makes it into bread basically is Afiyah. Afiyah is the one and only criterion which makes something into bread. Whether you take something which is a loose batter and bake it properly, or whether you take something which is a thick batter and break it properly, as long as it has Tzuras Halechem, after the baking process, it's considered bread. So therefore, regarding Birchas Hamotzi, if it was baked, then the Bracha is Motzi Lechem Na'aretz. Soft batter, or, or, or a regular dough. As long as it rises enough that it has its source of lechem. If it's blila rakem and it doesn't even look or appear as lechem, then clearly it wouldn't get a berchas hamotzi lechem in But if it does have its surah of lechem, it doesn't make a difference, according to the machaber, whether it went through the process of lisha or did not go through the process of lisha. The same is true regarding chala. As long as it was baked properly, then it's chayiv in challah. Even though it wasn't needed properly. In other words, according to the Mechaber, there are two mechayivim in challah. You could have one mechayiv in challah because of the lisha alone, even if, if it wasn't baked. As long as you intended on baking it at the time. That might not help you regarding the motzi, because in the final result you did not have bread, you never baked it, you cooked it. But if when you needed the dough, you intended on cooking, on baking it, not cooking it, then it's chayav, it's chayav in challah, because the chiv chal was already chal, even if later on it did not become bread. But if you made a loose batter, and the lisha, there is no lisha, there is no kneading, that could possibly be chayav in challah, nevertheless you could be chayav in challah if you bake it. Because there are two mechayvim in challah. One mechayvim in challah is Rashis Arisov Sechem, the beginning of your dough. The second mechayvim in challah is Vahaya Ba'ach Lechem Yilechem Ha'aretz. If you actually make bonafide bread, and bonafide bread is made through baking, it's irrelevant whether it was needed or not needed. As long as you eventually baked it, it becomes bread. It's defined as bread. And therefore, even though previously you did not do a proper lisha, and therefore it wasn't Chayv and Chal at the time, if eventually you baked it, the baking itself, the fact that right now you have bread, that's what makes you take Chal, makes you, makes you be Mafish and Chal. 
And therefore, regarding the Chala, you have two different points which you could be Chayev. However, regarding the shame Lechem, what makes something be defined as bread, there's only one criterion, and that criterion is baking. If you bake it and it has the Tzura of Lechem, it rises to some extent and it looks like a regular bonafide bread, then the Bracha is Hamotzi Lechem Na'aretz. And it's irrelevant whether it was a loose batter, Blila Raka, or whether it was a real bonafide batter, that you, a dough that you kneaded properly, and it had Blila Ava. As long as you baked it, and it rose, and it has tzura of lechem, you're chayv to make the bracha, hamotzi lechem ha'aretz, and berchas hamazon afterwards. That's the, the psak of the mechaber. So again, if you, to summarize, we saw the shita of the Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam says that there are two different ways, two different masa lechem. Either one alone is sufficient to be mechayv in challah or to create lechem. One is blila ava, lisha, and the second is afia. Either or, one or the other is sufficient in order to be, to create lechem. While according to Ramban, the way we interpret the Ramban is that you need, you need both. In order to be considered lechem, you have to do lisha alda safia, or lisha and eventually afia. It has to be both a real dough, and then you take that dough and you bake it, and then it's considered lechem. However, if you have blila raka, you have a batter, a loose batter, and then you bake it, or if you take a real bonafide dough and then you cook it, in either of those two, two situations, you would not be chayav berchas hamotzi. We saw that according to the Mechaber, there's a distinction between the Chiv of Chala, which is based on Lisha, or maybe that Tumachayim of Chala, basically the Chiv of Chala, there's a Chiv based on the Lisha in and of itself, and the Bracha of Hamotzi, which is made on something which is already considered Lechem. What defines something of Lechem is, uh, something as Lechem is Afia, is baking. And it's irrelevant whether you took a loose batter or you took a, a real dough. But what is Mechaev Chala is A, the Maisalisha needing it, as long as you had the proper intention at the time. B, even if you took a loose batter and you never did the Maisalisha, there could be a second Chiv of Chala if eventually it became real bona fide bread. And how does that happen? How does that happen? Through, through real baking, through afia, even if you, what you baked was a loose batter. As you can hear, I've changed uh, recording devices. And there is an amazing, strange noise in the background here. It's going to go away in a few minutes. Not sure why it's happening. We have to get another recording device. It'll let you suffer a little bit with the crumpling paper sound that you hear in the back. Uh, be assured that within a few minutes it's going to go away. For today's Halakha Yomit, I would like to return once again to the portion in davening between Birkot HaShachar and Sukei Dezimah and Baruch Shamar. We discussed Korbanot last week. There's another section which is found in all the Sidurim, beginning with the words, L'olam Yehei Adam Yerei Shamayim Besaitel like Kobanot, and perhaps even more, this is a section which has suffered hard times. Uh, many people leave it out. I'm sure the reason is again because you come a little bit late to shore, you're in a rush, and it seems appropriate to skip this particular section. 
What is the origins of the section? The, the text comes from a sefer called Pekei de Rabbi Eliezer. Pekei de Rabbi Eliezer is a midrash, Chachamim, an unusual one. It's different than almost any other midrash we have. It may very well be a relatively late midrash, but most uh, sources view it as being an authentic midrash, Chachamim. And the statement appears there. The first line, Lo'olam Yehei Adam, isn't a text of a prayer. It's a directive. A man, Lo'olam Yehei Adam Yerei Shemayim. A person should always be, have fear of heaven in his heart. He should confess, acknowledge the truth, speak truth in his heart, and he should get up and say. And then appears a tefillah. Now the Sidurim not only quote the tefillah, they quote the directive as well. So you start saying from, you, you yourself say, Lo'olam Yehei Adam Yerei Shemayim. What is the meaning, what is the significance, and what is the purpose of this particular tefillah? Interestingly enough, the text that I just quoted is not that which appears in most Sidurim. Most Sidurim have an emendation, they have an extra word. The text of Pekei Rabbeleza says, Lolam Yehei Adam Yerei Shamayim Besetem. A person should always be fearful of heaven in secret. People who read this didn't understand it. What, you have to have Yirat Shamayim? You have to have fear of God only in secret? What about in public? In public you can act any way you want. One should be dover emet bilvavo. You should speak the truth in your heart, but not in your heart. To other people, you're allowed to lie. Sounds like a recommendation for hypocrisy. So they added the word uvegalui. Lolam yehei adam yerei shemayim b'seiter uvegalui. Which changes the whole meaning. It means now you should tell the truth and you should be fearful of heaven everywhere. Whether in public or in secret. Even in secret. Of course in public. But even when you're by yourself and no one's looking, God is looking, you should also, you should also tell the truth and also... Be, have, have the fear of heaven. However, the text, that's not the authentic text. In all the manuscripts of Pirkei de Beleza, and in all the early Sidurim, which quote the text, Sidurei HaGaonim, and the Sidurei HaRishonim, the text is, Lolam Yehei Adam Yerei Shemayim Beseta. Why? What is, the, what is the meaning of this text? So, the Mephashim explained that the text may very well have been written at a time of persecution, and in any event, refers to Persecution it refers to uh, uh, religious persecution, whereby one is constrained in public from showing one's faith. And therefore, the statement is, in any event, under all conditions, no matter what you may have to do in public, either because in a true persecution it's pikuach nefesh, the danger of life, and perhaps even in other situations where it's not danger of life, we don't always acknowledge the truth 100% in public. I'm not talking about necessarily doing averot, committing sins, but one does not testify and acknowledge the truth in the situations where it may not be appropriate. In the recesses of one's heart, in the privacy of one's home, one has to be totally fear of heaven, and acknowledge the truth, and speak the truth to oneself, to one's heart. And then you should say the following, the following tefillah. What is the point here? We know the emphasis on Judaism is overwhelmingly on what you do, on, on, on actions. Mitzvot, mitzvot masiyot. That's 100% true. And that's, that's what distinguishes Judaism from saying Western laws from Christianity. Judaism consists of doing mitzvot. However, there is another side. And it's rare. It doesn't have a lot of expression. And here the tefillah says that the inner truth, one's inner fear of heaven, one's inner faith, has 
uh, a tremendous importance which has to be constant. That's the basis on which we, on which we act. Now the central part of this tefillah is, we say, which also fits into this theme. In other words, we may be having a hard time, but we really believe that having the faith of a Jew is, it's wonderful, it's the best portion we can have. The Shema is the, is the centerpiece of this. Why? Saying Shema every day, twice a day, is a mitzvah. And the mitzvah is to read, to say this portion. It's a mitzvah in and of, in and of itself. To, to, to say the words, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. There is another element to the saying of Shema. The Rambam lists, aside from the mitzvah of saying Shema, the Rambam has a mitzvah called Yichud. Mitzvah to to testify to the unity of God, to believe in the unity of God, perhaps even to make the unity of God. Liyached et Hashem. How do we, practically speaking, do that mitzvah? So it's apparent from the Gemara in many places in Mesechet Barachot that saying Kriyat Shema is a fulfillment of the mitzvah of Yichud. You say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Akin, Hashem Achad, so you're being miyached, you are testifying to the unity of God. I think this portion in the Sidur, which ends in a bracha, Baruch HaMekadesh, et Shmo Barabim, is an attempt to distinguish between the two elements in Kriyat Shema. Later on you'll say Kriyat Shema as part of the regular davening, you'll say the full Kriyat Shema, you'll say it with its brachot beforehand and the bracha that comes afterwards, one in the morning and two in the evening. That's mitzvah, regular mitzvah of Kriyat Shema. But in order to point out that we have a mitzvah while saying Kriyat Shema or while living our lives all the time, to be miyached et Hashem Yitbarach, to, to testify inwardly to our loyalty, to nothing else other than God. That's the truth. God is the unity and the sole unity and the sole authority in the world for us. So to make sure we understand that, came along this section and separated out. We say, under all circumstances, whether you can do an action or you can't do an action, you don't have the time for an action, you're not able to do an action, it's forbidden on pain of death perhaps to do an action, this doesn't apply to our times, but definitely applied to many times in Jewish history. In any event, there's a principle of Judaism which is not really a, a matter of action, but a matter of heart. You have to constantly, without any wavering, without any, any giving in, or modification due to external circumstances which do affect our actions, but the truth within our heart must be unwavering. And so the section was set aside to repeat that to ourselves and to testify to ourselves, and it comes with a ending, with a chatimat bracha of Baruch Ata Hashem HaMekadesh Et Shimcha Barabim. There is a halachic question whether one should say the bracha. Many poskim object to the bracha because they have a principle that any bracha that's not mentioned explicitly in the Talmud should not be said. Because brachot, we don't say brachot unnecessarily. So since this bracha is not found in the Gemara, it's found only in Pirkei de Beleza, so many poskim, as well as the Ari for other reasons, having for Kabbalistic reasons, made it into a non-bracha. Instead of Baruch Atah Hashem HaMekadesh Et Shemcha Barabim, you leave out Hashem. Baruch HaMekadesh Et Shemcha Barabim. There's also a variant, which is the one that I have to say, of HaMekadesh Et Shmo Barabim. Third person instead of second person. So even if you don't make it into a formal bracha, it's like a pseudo bracha, it's an attempt to say something similar to a bracha. But nonetheless, we are making a bracha on what? 
So I think we're making a bracha on the mitzvah of Yichud Hashem. And, and somebody here wanted, Chazal or the Gonim wanted, that in the very, very beginning of the day, as the text says, Yashkin v'yomar, you should, early in the morning, as soon as you get up, you should say, my day is in front of me, it might be complicated, I might come into contact with circumstances which will prevent or minimize my ability to be a constant testimony to the kingship and the kingdom of God. But the first thing I say is that in my internal world, I declare my total dedication to Yerat Shamayim, to the truth. I acknowledge the truth and I speak truth to myself. I may perhaps either lie or if not lie, not tell the whole truth to others. We don't run around the streets testifying all the time, but to myself, I have to be 100% committed to the truth and only to, to the truth. I'm recommending, I can't do more than that, the, the, the tour, the, the halacha recommends that one should make an effort to say this particular section. When I was younger, I didn't say it. I always came late to show and it was the first thing that I, that I stopped saying. And once you begin to do it often enough, you don't even think twice. And I started saying it again after first seeing the source in the Pirkei Balaza, learning the background, the historical background to the section. It's an affirmation of faith under adverse circumstances and precisely because I was not living under adverse circumstances. I was living in a free country and in a Jewish society. I thought it was important, specifically because I was not being persecuted, to reaffirm the truth, the personal truth of Judaism under all, under all circumstances. And so for the last uh, 40 years, approximately, I've made it a point not to skip the section, unless under dire circumstances, where there literally was no time left, and sometimes even then I say it after the davening, when I have, when I have more time. I realize that in the last two weeks, for those of you who haven't skipped any sections, I've added both korbanot, and Lolam Yehei Adam Yerei Shamayim. Just added about four minutes to your davening. It's not a lot, but once one is used to a certain schedule, it can be significant. So once again, I wish to recommend paying attention to a very, very interesting, fascinating section in davening. It has content which is different than anything else we do. We almost never emphasize the need for internal faith and internal truth. But obviously it's important. And so, giving it two minutes a day to repeat to ourselves what this tefillah says, that everything is God and we're committed to God. And we commit ourselves to His Word, to, his, to the fear of heaven, and to Kiddush Shemo. Hopefully then, in the rest of our day, we will be able to fulfill Kiddush Shemo, the sanctification of God's names, in God's name, in as many ways as is possible. That's it for today. Tomorrow we'll be back with a special program for Erev Shabbat as usual. Until then, call to Mikushetzion. This is KMTT. Kimitzion Tetzay Torah Udvar Hashem Mirushalayim.